So often as men, we, we view emotions as uh, some sort of sign of weakness, right? And the narrative's changing around this culturally, but I just want to name that this there's a massive amount of research that will show you, especially in the matters of leadership, if you want to be an effective leader and you want to influence people around you and you want to live a life of success, and I would even argue fulfillment, it's best done through knowing what's happening inside of your own heart and mind and using that as information and intelligence to pull levers in your life. So emotional intelligence is being able to track what's occurring in my own body around how I'm feeling, being able to express it, that's part two, and being able to read it in other people and know what's happening for them. So those are like three tools we can we can work and they're all a little bit different and distinct. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. Today, my guest is Luke Entrup, and Luke and I mine the realms of rites of passage and father-son relationships for wise insights that can make a meaningful difference in your life. Luke is a man in his 40s who first got involved in men's work in his early 20s. He was introduced to it by his father, which is something almost unheard of in my world. I got to admit, I was a little jealous when he uh, shared that with me, and, and in fact, I'll let him share that story in more detail early in our conversation. He's the founder of the Father-Son Connection Experience, a weekend rite of passage for boys and their fathers or father figures. We talk a lot about his work with boys and their fathers and about our own relationships to our fathers. And I'd say his relationship with his dad is pretty damn special and mine, sadly, non-existent. I invited him on to Men This Way because I'm an avid student and believer in and practitioner of rites of passage work for boys and for men. In fact, my year-long Elevate 2024 coaching adventure in which we do some deep rites of passage work, you can now apply online. Only 10 men will be invited to go on this profound deep dive adventure with me in 2024. That you could be one of those men. Learn more at brianreeves.com slash elevate. That's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Now, this will be my fourth year leading this intimate men's experience. I began uh, three years ago in 2021. I've now had over 30 men go through the Elevate experience. It's really been life-changing for men. What happens for a man when he steps into a trustable container of inspired and inspiring men to see how a man comes alive in new ways, gets unstuck around the matters that matter most to him, and learns to show up powerfully in all his relationships. Truly, it is one of my greatest privileges to be able to work with men in this year-long experience, and you could be one of those 10 men. Again, learn more and apply now at brianreeves.com elevate. You can also hear the stories of men who have gone through in past years, and um, again, if this intrigues or resonates and you really want to make 2024 special, go to brianreeves.com elevate. Now, a little bit more about Luke. Luke has co-founded and helped launch several organizations committed to leadership development and global sustainability. 
including the Contemplative Leadership Institute and Beyond the Machine. He has degrees in contemplative psychology, social work, and public health from Naropa University and Tulane University. And I'm really excited for you to listen into uh, a rich conversation uh, between men today. Now, one last thing before we dive in, it's time to read a recent review on the podcast because your reviews, they do matter. They make a difference. They help this show bring in more listeners, help me continue attracting compelling and interesting guests. Uh, so we're all served by your leaving a review. That's the full life cycle at play. So if you hear me read your review, please email me at support at brianreeves.com or just contact me through my website at brianreeves.com and you'll get free lifetime access to either love, sex, relationship, magic, or boundaries. Relationships suck without them. All right, here's today's review from Shoe MP. Brian shares wisdom and a, a wide range of perspectives for men to live a deeper and more meaningful life. He is a vulnerable, courageous, and present host that brings the best out of his guests. This podcast is a powerful roadmap for living a fulfilling life. Uh, ShuMP, if you hear this, please contact me for free access to either of those two programs. And if that's not you, please do write a podcast review on your podcast app. In fact, what I'm learning actually is that really only Apple Podcasts is uh, the only podcast app where you can actually leave a written review, at least that I'm aware of. You can add stars to some other apps uh, like Spotify. Not even sure Google Play, you can do that. But in any case, um, I'm able to see reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts and if I read yours on a future episode, you'll get free lifetime access to one of my best-selling courses as well. I look forward to reading your review. Now, take a deep breath and enjoy an intimate conversation with Luke Entrop on this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Luke Entrop, welcome to Men This Way. It's good to have you on. Good to meet you. Yeah, welcome. thank you. Thrilled to be here. Love, love what you're doing. Love the show. So happy Thanks, to be man. here today. Thanks, man. Well, you know, what, what, it, what just initially leapt out to me as I learned about you and your work was the, the father-son rites of passage work that you do. Man, that's some juicy stuff. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited to dive into that. Um, it's, it's very timely for me, in a sense, in that I'm actually losing my father. Mm. I'm going through a, the loss of my father but we'll, I'll share a little bit more about that in a little bit. But to, to help our audience get to know you more as a man, as a human, uh, I'd love to hear about a, some significant event or experience in your early life that played a fundamental role in shaping you as a man. Yeah, right on. Yeah, happy to share this, this event. So, you know, a little bit about me. I uh, grew up you know, one of four children. And my big thing was I loved uh, to be an actor. I was on stage. I basically grew up on stage. I was mm. constantly doing, you know, performances and acting in theater and modeling, all this stuff. Right. And it was, it was my everything. And then at some point when I hit about 18 or 19 years old, it was no longer the thing to do. Something about it just kind of dissipated. It wasn't fun anymore. I didn't particularly enjoy it. And it left me in this place for several years where I was a bit lost, didn't quite know what I was doing. 
uh, spinning my wheels, just a general kind of flatness to my life and a malaise. And um, my father invited me to uh, to a men's weekend when I was 22 mm-hmm. years old. Wow. And uh, and this profoundly impacted me, changed my life really fundamentally. Um, I went in, definitely went in a boy and mm. I came out, a, came out a man, right? Like um, I was surrounded by about 80 dudes that were just like, you know, you, they looked you in the eye. I could mm. feel how powerful they were. There was nowhere for me to hide in my own self-doubt and security, you know, narrow-mindedness, shutting down. Like I had to, I had to really first face them and then face myself. Mm. And um, I remember there's a moment in this, in this uh, men's weekend where we're outside kind of around a fire and this kind of elderly man took me to the front and presented me to the rest of the the tribe, if you will. And he basically said something like, you're now a man wow. and everyone cheered. And it was, it was this wow. moment where mm. that was it. I was, mm. I was now a man. And I, Mm-hmm. these guys over, you know, that weekend. And then in the years to follow helped me understand what that really means. Like, what does mm-hmm. it mean to be a man who's not just living for his own selfish desires, but is mm-hmm. living a mission outside of himself? Uh, what does it mean to be a man who values um, feeling and understanding your emotions just as much as what you're accomplishing in the world and that how important those two are tied together. And, um, and to just really understand this idea that like, men can have a spine and an open heart. And um, it sent me on this lifelong quest to live a life of deeper truth, deeper meaning, to just really be alive in what I'm doing. And and uh, yeah, it, it radically changed the trajectory of my life. Man, like what an amazing story. And I'm, 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 I'm like so excited for you and glad for you and jealous of that relationship of your dad having you know, whatever drew him into that world such that, you know, I, I've had this experience with my dad, uh, growing up where my, my father was very much a, a seeker. He tried out lots of religions. You know, he took me to a Hopi Indian reservation when I was in my teens, we met with a medicine man, you know, we went to a mosque and, and did, did, uh, uh, what's a Ramadan uh, at a mosque? He, he wasn't Muslim, um, but mm-hmm. we, we did all these things, right? Just experimenting, exploring. It never took me into men's work, but he would always say this this thing. You know, I'm a teenager, and my dad was exploring all these big occult ideas and metaphysics, and and he would always say, you know, Brian, when the when the time is right, you will know. You know, or, or you, you he just when the time is right, he kept saying that over and over and over when I was a teenager, right? Luke, the time was never fucking, that time never came. Hmm. It never came so much. So I'm pushing 50 and I went to visit my dad just a couple months ago. I hadn't seen him in years. We don't, we've been fairly estranged for some time. And even on my trip to see him and I'm back there saying, look, dad, I'm, 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 I'm here. I want you to know I'm, a, I'm available. I know you're getting older. Your life is, is probably coming to a close. He's 80. Hmm. And I just want, you to know, I'm, I'm here. I love you anything I can do. And still he's giving me the line. You're not ready. He literally said those words and I won't go into the details of why, but he said, you're not ready to kind of know what I know. And I remember thinking like you motherfucker, I'm almost 50. And in your eyes, I'm still not ready. Right. And so I I wonder, I'm curious if you could speak to this. I think this is such a, uh, an epidemic in our world of men 
whose fathers never did and still don't, you know, men that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whose fathers never brought them, you know, helped them over the threshold of, okay, you are now truly a man in my eyes. What do you, what do you know about that in in the culture we're living in? Yeah. I mean, well, the chain was broken, right? So in, in ancient times and in communities and cultures that live closer to the land, these rites of passage of marking one phase of life, moving into the next, they're honored in ceremony and ritual. Right. And we see this in, in some cultures around the world, but in our kind of Westernized culture, the chain was broken. So your father's father did not have that and he wasn't able to give it to you. Mm-hmm. And there's, we're, we're living in a culture where, uh, of that's led by uninitiated men, men that have not been given a meaningful rite of passage into healthy masculinity. And so we see all these ways that men will seek out that sense of belonging, belonging to a tribe and a community in ways that leave harm that, mm-hmm. that are, um, maladaptive that leave awake that, uh, have them not, not feeling connected to themselves and that separation, that, that distance that you feel that you're articulating that you have with your father is a symptom of that. It's a symptom of a, uh, lack of a structure of belonging in a community that, that honors moving from one way into the next. Um, so, but the good news is like, it's, it's a fixable problem. Mm-hmm. It's probably only going to take a couple hundred years but it's a fixable problem, right? Mm-hmm. We can reintroduce these ways of being where we're, we're saying like, you know, you were a boy, now you're a man. And this is what it means to be a man. Yeah. I think I said, uh, in a, in a recent, another recent podcast episode that if, I think I was born 200 years too soon. <laughs> I would love <laughs> to know. I feel like we are going to have moved through a lot of this, you know, this adolescent, stage that we're in, ironically, we're talking about rites of passage. I think we are, humanity are going into a rites of passage and, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's going to be fraught with challenge and danger and, and, and loss and grief and all of the, all the things, identity shit, all of that. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think that I do like that we're able to have conversations like this, that even what I'm going through with my father, man, I've worked at in therapy, I've worked at in my own men's groups, you know, through my own journey, going to men's work. Um, I'm at a place, it took me to my late forties to where I can hear that from my dad, you know, you're still not ready mm-hmm. and, and not be enraged by it. I mean, there's a part mm-hmm. of me that's still like, dude, fuck off, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, but I'm no longer led by that. Right. I was just like, okay, my dad, like you said, his dad didn't do this for him. He can't do it for me. Well, uh, that's okay. I'm not going to take that on anymore. And, yeah. and I'm going to learn. So, so I want to, I want to hear more about, well, first off, what's, is your father still alive? He is. Yeah. He's, he's alive. He still goes to his men's group every week or every, you know, a couple times a month. And, um, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm off to do a fishing and hunting trip with him um, in a couple of weeks where we'll, you know, we'll just be together in a, boat on the water for a week. And yeah. So Luke, you do know, and I know, you know how precious and tragically rare that is. Indeed. Indeed. And, um, that's why, you know, it's why I do it. It's, um, you know, I took him to, took him to the Indy 500 mm. this year. It's like these, these moments of like with him right now, when we can still do that is so rare. And, and, you know, mm. he, I, I also know how blessed I am to have a father that, has mostly been present for me throughout mm-hmm. my life. And, mm-hmm. 
and um, know that that's much of the product of, of, you know, the way that I live is because mm. of the way that he mm. raised me as a father and, mm. and uh, incredibly blessed in that way. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what was the organization that he was a part of maybe still is that had you surrounded by 80 men in a room when, in your twenties? It's the Mankind Project. The Mankind so they have this, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It's a pretty okay. large men's organization. They do this uh, yeah. flagship training called the New Warrior Training Adventure. They're still doing it all these years later. So. Yeah, that that actually was my initiation into men's work. The mm. that Warrior Training Weekend. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I did it when I was thirty nine or forty, about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And indeed, in fact, I remember. Oh my goodness, the, that that <clears throat> there was a, the moment. And I won't give things away here in case men want to do that. Uh, but there was that moment where an elder man was sitting at the edge of a woods when I arrived hmm. and they, I was you know, told to go see, see him. And I sat in a chair in front of him and he just looked at me and he said one sentence, welcome. We have been waiting for you a long time. I fucking burst out laugh, uh, laughing, no crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm-hmm. cried the tears like, Oh, I've been waiting for someone to, I didn't even know I was waiting for, um, for men an elder to say, welcome. Mm-hmm. Right. We've been waiting for you a long time. That moment. I'll never forget it as, as long as I live. What do you, what was, yeah. what, what I, do you know about that moment? What was happening yeah, for me? I think it speaks, I mean, it speaks to two things, right? It speaks first of all, to this pain of isolation and separation. That mm-hmm. is the experience of being a man in this culture where we, um, there's a lack of depth in our connection. We can talk about the game and we can, um, talk about our jobs, but to have that someone really look you in the eye and say, welcome. And, you know, I want to know more about you. What's really on your heart? Um, that's uh, that's not the way that the kind of default culture works. Mm-hmm. But it also speaks to the um, this deep, I would argue, like genetic need. It's like baked into our DNA this need for belonging and to be part of a yeah. of a community and a tribe and to be seen and to be uh, held by elders. Um, we are such highly social creatures, right? We would. It, you know, not so long ago, if we were kicked out of the tribe or something, we were lost from the tribe, we may die, right? It's like a, it's hardwired into our genetics, our survival to be in communion and can be, be in community. And so what you're speaking to is that, uh, you know, when we start to feel that sense of belonging, especially as men, right, to be in a tribe of men, it, uh, it wakes something up in our, in our, in our DNA, in our, in deep, deep in our bones that says, yeah, this is the right way to live, to be, to have a brother that's at my back and have a brother that's looking me in the eyes and calling me forward. Um, that's a very powerful and compelling, uh, way to be. Yeah. Yeah. That word belonging I've noticed in the years I've, I've done men's work and, and brought men into men's work that, 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 belonging, even if, even if guys don't get any of their so-called problems solved, the things that they think they're coming here for, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? The, when they, when they feel that, that embrace of, of a, of a brotherhood of men, that, that it's like, all of you is welcome here. That belonging, ugh, is, is because we're, we're living in exile. Most yeah. of well, and there's something really distinct about the, uh, about it being with men, with Mm -hmm. other men. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's something like we can create, you know, we can maybe have a sense of community and belonging in our local, 
right. uh, our local town or where we live and we can have, you know, whatever dinner parties with our closest friends, right. Mm-hmm. That, um, and our partners and, but there's something about, uh, you know, going off in the woods with other men where, um, the focus is on both supporting each other saying like, I I'm there for you, brother, but also challenging each other saying like, you know, saying something like, uh, uh-uh, I see that that's BS or deeper brother. You can go deeper than that. There's something about that, that the fierceness of that and the, the sense of like iron sharpening iron, that is such a distinct and necessary quality, at least for me in my own, yeah. uh, in my own life. It's like, it's this distinct form of nourishment and distinct form of support and challenge. Um, that is a necessary ingredient. You're listening to men this way. I'm your host, Brian Reeves. I trust you're feeling inspired by this conversation. And I want to cut in real quick and let you know that Elevate 2024, my year-long coaching journey for men committed to thriving in every domain of life, is now open for enrollment. I'm only inviting 10 men to go through all of 2024 with me personally on this adventure of a lifetime. Now, who's this for? It's for you if you have achieved some level of success yet still feel unfulfilled or you're just seeking a greater level of fulfillment than you now have. This is for you if you're committed to rising above the distractions and compulsions that are sabotaging you from living your fullness as a man. If you're genuinely done trying to lone wolf it through life, bear all your burdens alone, this adventure is for you. If you're stuck in some critical area and ready for a breakthrough, or you know you need to be challenged and supported by other men to help move you along on the journey of becoming the man you were born to be, this is for you. I mean, essentially, if you're genuinely committed to thriving in your life, this is for you. Elevate 2024 includes personal coaching with me throughout the entire year and alongside a select group of trustable men going through this experience with you. We'll also meet in person for a five-day retreat midway through in a beautiful spot in nature. Through this experience, these men and I will become your brothers for life. You will be challenged to go beyond your comfort zone, and you will be celebrated when you succeed and even when you fail, but you did the thing you were afraid to do. Because this experience isn't just about making more money or gaining status or achieving more of anything, which often just leads to still feeling that painful, empty void that haunts us men. No, it's about you stepping more deeply into your courageously authentic self, more fully offering your gifts to your loved ones, to your family, your community, and to the world, whatever that looks like for you. If this intrigues you, get the details, and if you dare, apply at brianreeves.com slash elevate. Now, this isn't for everyone, but if you have an inkling it might be for you, apply now. Just take the next step. This could be one of the greatest gifts you ever give yourself, the gift of brotherhood with extraordinary men on an extraordinary adventure in 2024. Go to brianreeves.com slash elevate. That's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate for details and to apply. All right, let's pick up where we left off with today's guest on Men This Way. Present to how I used to go to women 
unknowingly for that support and challenge. I would use my intimate relationships as the place. Again, I, I didn't consciously mm -hmm. do that. I didn't want any challenge. And yet the only people that I would allow into my inner space who would see what was really going on were the women I was partnering with, mm -hmm. you know, the intimate relationships. And boy, did they often not like what they saw. And rightfully so. And so, you know, I, I talk about this a lot in my work, how, how unfortunately intimate relationships have become the containers of transformation of rites of passage. You know, women are like our, our stewards of transformation, which they don't want to be. Yeah. yeah, They do not want that role. It's not theirs. And yet, because we don't do this work in mass as men, they by default then become the ones who have to hold it for us and it's just a shit show. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, to just underline that point, I mean, ask them, right? Like ask a woman that you find to be radiant and beautiful mm. and, and um, elegant and attractive and all the things that you would want in a woman, find one and ask her if she would trust you more, if you would be, if you, if you were in a men's group or if you had a group of men that was holding you to account, it's incredibly attractive, right? Because they know that they don't have to, they don't have to be the ones that are holding right. your entire process that you can show up in, in a way that places your attention, not just on your own pain and suffering and closure and shadows and shortcomings, but you have enough capacity that you've done that work where you can place your attention on her and opening her heart. 100%. They don't want us, they, they don't want to be the ones holding us accountable. Mm -hmm. They'll do it, mm -hmm. but that's not the role they want to play. And it only breeds resentment and disconnection. And anyway, yeah. let's, let's talk more about rites of passage. So what, what are we talking about, particularly in, in the context of your work, rites of passage? I know you work with fathers and sons, which I think mm -hmm. is a, a beautiful and essential frame for, uh, for our culture, enrolling mm -hmm. fathers and their sons into these rites of passage. But, 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 but briefly describe what is a rites of passage and why it's so important for young men. Yeah. So, so a rite of passage is any sort of ceremonial demarcation of moving from one phase of life into the next, right? And not just the phase, but the way of being. So there are some significant thresholds being born, you might say like being weaned, going to school for the first time. But the uh, one of the major rites of passage is the, the movement from childhood into adolescence, right? And the changing body, puberty hits, and this is quite a moment in a boy's life, right? And, um, and then there's another one, the, the people that have really studied rites of passage, they'll point out there's another one around 17 to 20. And that's actually the rite of passage into adulthood, right? Where we say that's, that's the whole experience I had. You're no longer a boy. You're now a man. This one right in, in adolescence. So this is where I'm focused is the movement from childhood into to puberty and what that means. And often that's about like really starting to have some level of mastery in one's body and really wanting to be part of some sort of trip team, tribe, club. This is where like sports teams become really important in a boy's life or band. Or for me, it was like acting, you know, like being part of some sort of community where you're working on a level of mastery. And um, if we don't have the, the, um, if we don't have these ceremonies that help mark this, we start to look for that sense of belonging and really often like 
not very healthy ways. So this is where, you know, kids start to really get into some trouble if they don't feel like they're part of something. Um, so what we've done is created some experiences where we, uh, we've really focused on strengthening the bond between the father figure and the son. So we, we take them out into the wild for a weekend where we're, we're, you know, we're sleeping in cabins, but we're out in the woods. They have a lot of time, um, hiking together. And then we do quite a bit of, um, ceremony and processing around what is it, what type of man do you want to become? We do a whole element that we call warrior training where they're doing, um, you know, teaching them meditation, martial arts, light martial arts. Uh, we have, have them jump into some cold water if they want to. We do, we do some work around what are emotions and how are, how can they help you and what type of person do you want to become? So it's really this kind of um, training ground for them to start to step into this, into a path of warriorship, all with the presence of their fathers. And the idea there is that um, we know inevitably they're going to need to push off against their parents. But when mm -hmm. things get really hard, we hope we've laid enough ground that when they get hard, their father is one of the people they turn to mm -hmm. when they're in their the throes of teenage angst that um, they've had a deep connection with their dad. And the kind of culminating aspect of this experience is a ceremony on the last mm -hmm. night mm -hmm. where you know, we really acknowledge that they are now on the path of warriorship and that they are squarely in their adolescence. Mm -hmm. How can a father identify when is the right time? You know, like what, what signs might his son be showing? You know, you said 17 to 20 is this, you identified that, that age. I know some, some, some boys are like, you know, 13, 14, 15, they're starting to get into some dangerous behavior. Um, what, what am I, um, yeah. what we might call rebellious behavior, et cetera. Yeah. Like what, 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 what age do you think boys in our culture are ready to undergo rites of passage and how would a father recognize that? Yeah, it's a great question. I'll just give you the age range that, that for this, there's two, right? So the okay. first one, the one that I'm working is 10 to 14. Okay. It's, it's childhood into puberty, right? 10 to 14. That's when we do a lot of work with, with the father. Okay. The 17 to 20 is the passage into adulthood. And that uh, I would argue is not best not done with the father. That uh, needs to be done by the other members of the mm, tribe, the community. Okay. This is where the uncles would go take the boy yeah, yeah. out of the arms of his mother. The father would stay behind and they would go initiate him in the bush or into the wild. Yeah. They would, they would, you know, his father was not actually present for that. Um, we're working this passage of adulthood into adolescence, into puberty, 10 to 14. And it very much is about establishing a healthy connection with the parental figure. Okay. And so I'm just, I'm drawing the distinction because oh, they're two yeah. entirely different forms of initiation, right? Definitely. Oh, I, I mean, I intuitively feel that in my, my, mm -hmm. my own body, that those are very distinct times and, mm -hmm. and, um, I'm curious, a little anthropological side mm -hmm. note here. What what are some of your like favorite, you know, rites of passage that you've heard of through through traditional cultures? I mean, I have some of my own that really stand out for me that are like gnarly and and man, I would never want to undergo that. And I get why the boys why they need to undergo that. But like I'm curious, what are some that stand out for you? Yeah, maybe two. One would be the uh in East Africa. Very simple. You go out with a spear, you kill a lion, or you don't come home. Wow. 
right? <laughs> so, so an element of initiation is the ordeal, yeah. right? If we look yeah. at it through the lens of Joseph Campbell's model, the hero journey, hero's journey, there's a separation and then there's an ordeal where we mm. face some sort of uh, dragon, demon, mm. adversary, and we need to we need to face the fear that lives within us in order to do that. And then we come home when we're reintegrated back into the community. So the ordeal in this is very clear. Go kill an effing lion. And um, no joke, you know, some some don't make it back. Yeah. Um, the other one I like is a uh, it's very simple when uh, when entering the monastery, the head is shaved. And it's a it's a shaving of the identity, and so mm. that there's a blank mirror and a blank slate about who I really am, the truth mm. of who I really am at a deeper level. Mm. And every time I look in a mirror, catch my reflection, I remember that, and I remember my vows that I've made. It's a it's a remembering of um, my commitment to my path as a monk. That's so interesting because I'm I'm I was in the military, and you know what, what's one of the first things they do when you enter basic training? They shave your head. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a it's a violent process. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of mm -hmm. of of bullying. There's a lot of intensity. It's whether you want to be there or not is irrelevant. It's a it's a harsh initiation. Might even you know I, I would exp I would myself describe that more as a, a pseudo initiation. I don't really feel like I'm being initiated into you know. And obviously, I, I see all this in retrospect. I had no idea what was going on at the time, but 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 a pseudo initiation of sorts where you know like like hazing at a fraternity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like just boys initiating boys because we don't know what else to do, but we know that it it needs intensity. Death needs to be on the line, and um, you know, I need to face my own death, like a death right. of identity, death of something. Well, it's it's missing one very important ingredient in in initiation, which is the presence of elder mm -hmm. or mentor, right? A, a wisdom holder mm -hmm. that is going to see the path about you becoming this newer version of yourself and will draw it out of you in a very effective and kind of uh, with a high level of presence. So again, we have a failure of eldership in our culture. The chain was broken. This is what we need to reestablish. That that ingredient is the missing ingredient. Um, this is why you know, on some of these events we do, or like other types of men's yeah. uh, training, we always revere the role of elder mm -hmm. because they are the wisdom keeper. And, mm -hmm. and um, when that's not there, we do, we exactly what you described. We have a culture of boys initiating boys. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of, uh, you know, the name Maladoma Somme? Of course. Of yes. course. Yeah. He, um, I, I believe he was from West Africa, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, Something that he said, I read about this in uh, Bill Plotkin's book, you know, Nature and the Human Soul. Mm, well, yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, one of my, one of my, you know, Bibles for, for developmental life mm -hmm. and living as a human. But I know, I remember reading in that uh, Maladoma Somme saying, you know, to the objection that, well, yeah, these rites of passage are dangerous and not all the boys will make it. And I think to our, our, our Western mind, we, we tend to think, well, that's barbaric and brutal and we should never put our children in harm's way. And, and I know I recall Maladoma saying, well, you know, better that we lose some of our boys in the initiation pass rite of passage, than we don't initiate them at all. And we live in a world of uninitiated boys as adults. And yeah. And furthermore, I think, you know, it's like I, my memory of that passage is that there was no shame or blame on the boys that were lost. It was more right. of like, it was more like just by chance. Yes, maybe right. something happened there, but it's just an offering up yeah. to this idea of like, 
this is the offering to live in an initiated culture, right? Right, right. Um, a, a living culture, a living, mm-hmm. ironically, a living culture is a culture that that makes space for death, makes room for death. It's mm-hmm. it's not a not exiled uh, from death. What is Stephen Jenkinson says? We are we are are death phobic and grief illiterate. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I, man, um, tr- truly Luke, I, I'm, I'm, I love the work that you're doing, man. I, I think it's of such vital importance. Um, what would you say to, again, a father who sees in his son, you know, I've, I worked with a lot of men that whose, whose sons are, they're rebellious. They're like wanting mm-hmm. to, you know, it, it, w- one thing I've seen is this. The fathers let it go so far that now there's a, there's a common thing out there where they're, where their their boys are they're breaking the rules. They're maybe getting in trouble with the law, even you know they're, they've been arrested or they've done just foolish, stupid shit. They're failing at school, whatever. And maybe fourteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. and and uh, I've even seen this in my own family that the child then gets sent to wilderness school. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this? Oh yeah. Yeah, yep. kind of see it a, all the time. Like yep. a therapeutic wilderness school, and then that's a pathway to boarding school. Like that, they basically get taken from the home. And again, I, I I don't I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm not trying to make a judgment about it, but I'm I'm curious for you. What do you say to the father who's starting to see, like, oh my goodness, my son is he's he's he my, my hands have been off off of, you know, no discipline. I'm not really disciplining mm-hmm. him. I'm not really giving him b- boundaries or not sticking to them. He's a boy. Boys will do what boys do. But now he's starting to see the danger signs. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think, I mean, obviously this is the time that we show up as fathers, right? Like this, this is our moment. And all I can say is what I've done around that, right? I have a 12 year old boy and, um, you know, I ask him, I say, you know, like, what's the one thing that you would really want from me this year as a father, like to, to help you just be healthy and live the life you want to live. And his one thing is he wants to spend time on backpacking trips with me. He wants at least two a year. Right. And so it's this same impulse around the wilderness therapy school, right? It's like to get out into the wild, have un uh, distracted time with me in a place where it's highly uncomfortable there is an element of danger, but more importantly, there's an opportunity for him to shift his perspective about his life and um, have experiences of wonderment and awe and terror and aliveness. And for me, I, I view my role as a father. One of the most fundamental things I do as a father is I uh, offer experiences around changing perspective. I offer adventures. My job, one of my primary jobs is to snap my children out of their myopic kind of self-centered everyday reality, the habits, the ruts that they get into, snap them out of that and show them different things. So this could be just, you know, going on these backpacking trips. This could be taking them on trips around the world. This could be exposing them to different practices and different ways of living and thinking about the world, different cultures. Um, And all while really, focusing on the inner world and the meaning making that comes with that. So the, what you're describing, you know, this is the time to give these boys different experiences. And in my opinion, best done with their fathers, right? When the fathers can show up, 
Like this is the time to take them on rites of passage experiences, take them on backpacking trips yourself, take them on, you know, whatever it is, even if it's a weekend car camping to, you know, leave the, leave the phones behind and have that time that where you're looking each other in the eyes, you've got some time with the stars, you're talking around, you're just chatting around about life around the campfire that's all kids really want. When it really comes down to it, they want the loving, loving presence of their parents and they'll do just about anything to get it. They'll, they will uh, raise all sorts of alarm bells. They will cause all sorts of problems if they're not getting it. So how do we set it up as parents so that they're getting enough of that deep drop in loving presence, looking each other in the eyes and saying, you know, asking, you know, how are you really doing? You know what I'm what's really coming to me as well when you're as you're sharing this is I, I I'm aware that so many men feel pretty useless in their families. Hmm. Feel disconnected from their children, feel like especially as the children start to get into their teens, they feel like, well, I mean, look, dads are even represented in media as these sort of hapless, just things that are in the way of something. Um and I know a lot of men feel so powerless or so they, therefore they'll, they'll take, you know, they'll go to apply power at work, for example, or they'll get caught in addiction or distraction, you know, their fantasy football league or something. I'm curious what happens to fathers when they start to really check in to their child's experience. And, you know, when, as the, as the, you know, we're talking about fathers and sons, Mm-hmm. But as, as sons start to come of these ages where, again, a lot of dads are because they just don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Mom, you, if, if there's a mom in the home, she's she's often got a handle on it way more than he does. Not always. Sometimes it's the opposite. I've seen the opposite. But mm-hmm. I'm curious, what happens for fathers in these experiences? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, a few things happen. Um there's usually great relief that they finally are showing up, you know, for their children. And there's a sense of kind of like, I've been waiting so long to do this and I just didn't know how. So getting, putting themselves in a situation where they feel like they can start to show up as the father they always wanted to be. Mm. I mean, I have this regular experience as a parent where there's a massive gap between the parent I thought I would be and the parent who I actually am. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's just like this very common experience as parents, like, oh, I thought I was going to be so much better at this. (laughs) And um, that's just an element of it. Right. But to have some experience of like, okay, this is actually I've, I've really wanted to be able to support my son in this way or my, or my children in this way. That's one piece. The other piece is, I don't know about you, but for me, there was not a, pretty much like 12 to 14 was pretty much the worst era of my life socially. Mm-hmm. Like it was just brutal. I mean, I had this very like rough Midwestern Catholic culture where it was just like tons of bullying and just, it was like elbows out. Right. And um, so when we see, our children, especially our boys at that age, we start to like all that stuff comes up again. Right. And we see this on the, on these experiences that I lead these retreats where the fathers start remembering what it was like to be that age. Mm. And some of it is not very much pleasant. It's not Mm. pleasant memories. And so we're also dealing with the, the like imprint of our own childhood at that age. And uh, there's an opportunity there for us as fathers to actually look at how that's impacting our our parenting and how it's impacting the way that we live our lives, right? It's a, it's yet another place where we can uncover some rocks and metabolize some shadows in ourselves. And best done 
again, in the company of other men who can support us in that. So part of our programs that we actually like, we have men's circles for the fathers during parts of these mm. weekends so that they have a place where they can kind of like talk through their shortcomings as a father or the stuff that they're seeing that's been brought up about, oh man, I just remember how brutal it was when I was 13 years old or um, they, sh they support each other, share ideas about how to work through challenges that their boys are having. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a bit like that. Yeah. One of my closest friends, uh, who's a father to two children, um, he's one of the best fathers I know. He is constantly beating himself up about his parenting constantly. Yeah. And he's yeah. <laughs> easily one of the best, you know, most interested and, and, and attuned and, and checked in, uh, fathers that I, that I, I know. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a thankless job and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I think it's just a common experience, especially for those of us that actually care about how we're doing. It's, 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 it's easy to kind of go numb on it and not care and just put things on autopilot. And I think that's kind of the default, but when you really start investigating and examining how you're showing up, you know, there's always an opportunity to do it better. Well, I'm curious, what, what do you think are some of the, the, the dominant common misconceptions or myths about, particularly for, as fathers, fathers as parents that, that you encounter that mess things up, that just get, get men all in their heads and get us all twisted and don't serve us? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I get, you know, one aspect of this is that, um, you know, like, there, there's this idea that like the mother is the emotional support and the father is the structural discipline support. Right. Mm -hmm. And while there is definitely some kind of fundamental truth to that, I think we get so locked into that way of thinking that we, we outsource the emotional connection mm -hmm. to our children. Like we just abdicate the, all responsibility for any emotional, emotionality, yeah. emotional presence right. and, yeah. Right. And it's just does a huge disservice, especially as yeah. men raising boys, we're, we're kind of like signaling to the boys that somehow their emotions aren't okay. And, and, um, you know, and it's really easy to do because it's a lot harder to be, for me, it's a lot harder to be with some sort of messy emotional experience than it is to like, you know, hold structure around discipline and, you know, yeah, habit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, baseball. It's important. And then fundamentally, it comes down to, you know, how comfortable am I with my own emotions and my own kind of like chaotic field that's that's underneath the the surface for all of us, right? But a lot more questions on this, but I want to just take a quick little, little mm -hmm. side, again, another little sidestep. And I'm curious about, about men who have daughters. Mm-hmm. Again, I look, I know we can't, there's no absolute, I don't believe in absolutes and, mm -hmm. you know, but, but I'm, but I am curious, what do you think is different about the father daughter relationship than the father son relationship just in general, in your experience? Boy, it's a great question, Brian. Um, well, I, so I have a daughter as well, I have a 12 year old okay. son and a nine year old daughter. And I haven't, you know, professionally I haven't done a lot of work with, with the daughter, you know, with that. So I, I haven't, I can only speak through my own personal experience, yeah. but, um, there's a way that the roles are a little bit flipped, right? So in my case, she really, she comes to me for that like sweet emotional connection and just the, but she's really looking to her mom about, you know, what it means to be a woman. And, and there's a lot more friction there. You know, there's a lot more rub between her and her mother, her and her mother. Yeah. yeah. And so it just could be situational to my family, but it just yeah. seems like, there's like an ease, there's an easiness around the father daughter relationship. There's less, um, there's less kind of baggage and, um, 
kind of enmeshment and all of these things that I think happens often with, with mother daughter relationships. I mean, it's such a complex relationship. Um, um, so. Okay. Yeah. I, I look, I'm life has not so far made it easy for me to be a parent. Still, still, mm-hmm. still working on that, exploring that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't pretend to really know much, uh, certainly not from personal experience other than having parents, uh, being on that side of things. I'm curious, coming back to emotional intelligence, um, what, what can fathers do? How can they ensure that they are nurturing, maybe modeling, uh, emotional intelligence in their sons, helping their sons develop healthy emotional expression? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's, it's, it's a practice like anything else, right? it's, it takes investment. If, if I want to like lose 20 pounds or I want to get, you know, I want to put on some, I want to tone up then I need to go to the gym and I need to get a plan in place where I do that. Right. And so it, it requires actually that commitment and that investment. Um, I would argue that the best way we can do it is to model it ourselves. It's less about like drawing it out of our children, although that's certainly important. And it's more about doing that deep work ourselves. There is a point of view that I think is really important around this, which is so often as men, we, we view emotions as uh, some sort of sign of weakness, right? And the narrative's changing around this culturally, but I just want to name that this, that, you know, if I, there's a massive amount of research that will show you, especially in the matters of leadership, if you want to be an effective leader and you want to influence people around you and you want to live a life of success, and I would even argue fulfillment, it's best done through knowing what's happening inside of your own heart and mind and using that as information and intelligence to pull levers in your life. Mm-hmm. So emotional intelligence is being able to track what's occurring in my own body around how I'm feeling, being able to express it. That's part two and being able to read it in other people and know what's happening for them. So those are like three tools we can, we can work and they're all a little bit different and distinct. Um, but it, but they're all, it's all a practice. And then once we've kind of cultivated that, we start to be able to draw that out in our children, right? So if my son is having a hard time, I can help explore like, oh, it seems like you're feeling a bit angry right now. Is that right? And I just start naming what I'm seeing in him and then ask him, is that, is that it? Are you angry? Or are you feeling more bummed out or sad? And he can say, actually, oh, I'm actually feeling a little more bummed out. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's showing up a little bit like I'm frustrated, but I'm actually pretty, like, pretty disappointed. And so I can help him start to name it so that he's exercising that muscle. It's a practice then for him around identifying his emotion and hopefully helping him articulate it. And look, in my my work as a particular as a relationship coach and doing relationship work, I mean, one of the, the... the greatest challenges that most relationships face is a lack of emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is of vital importance for us grown men to, 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 to start doing the work that our fathers didn't do with us if they didn't, which most of them didn't so that we can then also help our, our, our children uh, do that work for themselves too. I think it's, yeah. Well, you'll be a more powerful man be- because of it. You absolutely be more in touch with your own sense of power and you'll be able to get more meaningful things accomplished in your life if you have some sense of what's happening in, in your internal landscape, particularly because we know that if it's left unattended and we're not facing it, it will show up in all sorts of messy ways in yeah. our relationships, in our ability to lead other people and the way that people experience us as trustworthy or not. So there's actually, if you want to look at this from a very selfish perspective, 
there's a sense of like uh, empowerment in it. And I think that's the narrative that's slowly changing in the culture around what it means to be kind of emotionally uh, literate and, and have some integrity around what's happening in the human heart for men. I, you, you work a lot with the, the hero's journey arc mm -hmm. and uh, Joseph Campbell um, father of the, of the heroic journey, at least the articulation of it. I, uh, love that he, he said something years ago that totally reframed things for me that, that, you know, I, he said, I don't think people are looking for the meaning of life, which is what I personally, Brian Reeves always thought I was looking for. Well, why are we here? You know, answering the question, he said, I don't think that's what we're actually looking for, but rather we're people are looking for the experience of being alive. And that, like what you're, what you're pointing at, you know, coming alive in my body, boy, we men, we sure are at war with ourselves. We sure fuck ourselves over by our, through our, that, that program of, 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 like you said, feelings are weakness, emotions are weakness, yet we want to feel alive. And yet so much of our story is resisting our aliveness at the same time. Yeah. It's, and yeah. So, so feeling alive feeling a sense of wonderment and awe, mm -hmm. feeling a sense of really being able to drink in and breathe in beauty and be in some sort of exchange with it. It's all, that's all part of the, those are all fruits of being able to like really turn and fiercely face our own demons in our own heart. Right. And really know what's happening. And that, that is, that is bravery. That is true warriorship. That is, that is truly being a warrior, being able to face our shadows, face our, our fears, our doubts, our self-loathing, our shame, our, you know, all the, the uncomfortable places when we can do that, we will absolutely be more powerful and be more alive with the world around us. How do you define a successful father-son relationship? Like what are the key components of a, of a thriving father-son relationship? And let's take that in the context again of, of adolescence, you know, the. Yeah. I would think about it just as the, there's information and might even say like energy being exchanged freely between the father and son, right? Like um, they're able to say what's true for them to each other. Um, even if it's uncomfortable, they're able to um, walk side by side in the world with a level of ease and depth. You know, I love that uh, Robert Bly writes about, you know, like um, when women come together or the feminine, let's just say the feminine in all of us, women, the feminine likes to connect in a circle, right? Like a, mm -hmm. uh, sitting in a circle yeah. and the masculine in all of us uh, would feels most connected walking side by side. And he says in the forest, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes not even a word needs to be said. Mm -hmm. So there's this feeling of moving together through the world where we're connected, mm. we're looking at the world around us, we're taking in the the beauty, we're navigating, we're maybe even strategizing a bit, um, whether words are spoken or not, but there's like an ease and a depth in that. Yeah. And for me, I, I just go back to my prayer is that, you know, this work leads to the inevitable moment that is difficult in a teenage boy's life that his father is one of the people he turns to when that happens, right? When something comes up around sex and relationship or something hard socially happens or he gets into some trouble or he's confused or he's depressed that one of the people he turns to, not the only one, but one of the people he turns to is his father. Yeah. And, I, and I'm ready to start, to start sharing this more, more publicly that, 
you know, my relationship with my father, um, I, I, I so looked at him as a teenager, like God, he is my God. He's the guy that I turn to. He's the one that'll know what I should do here. I remember when I went to college, I, I was thinking about joining a fraternity and he's the only one whose opinion mattered. And for, for example, and then, you know, I, he left when I was four, uh, my parents divorced. And so I didn't really know him until I was an adult, know him, know him. And it was around age 26. So about 20, you know, almost you know 25 years ago or so that, that I first started realizing maybe longer, I actually can't trust this man. I, I, I'm not safe to bring him certain things that I'm going through. I'm not safe. And those betrayals, it felt like a betrayal. I, I wouldn't have used that language at the time. I just knew, mm-hmm. again, a lot of this in retrospect. And what over the last probably five or six years, I've, I've made attempts to have a new conversation with him. And in my case, he's just further retreated again, in my telling of the story, he's very, he's got this sort of spiritual fundamentalism going on. And, um, I don't fit into that. I don't prescribe to certain of his beliefs and et cetera. And, and, and it's like, he, 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 he can't embrace me. I don't, I don't feel embraced by him. I don't feel leaned into by it. just like, we're estranged and I don't know how to bridge that anymore. And I'm not, I'm, I'm done trying. Hmm. I'm curious from in, in your experience, in your mind, Luke, what would you say? Like what insight would you have? What suggestion? Like, like so many men are estranged from their fathers, yeah, even absolutely. if they're still in conversation with them. Absolutely. It's just a, right. you know, a gritted teeth. Oh fuck. I have to talk to this guy. Fine. I know I, you know, he's going to say this and this and fuck that guy. And blah, 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 blah. What do you say to that guy who yeah. Yeah, go? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, fundamentally, I think that betrayal is inevitable. I mean, even I had a wonderful present father, but there were, he was not able to give me everything I needed. That's, mm-hmm. that's being human. Right. And so mm-hmm. there's, there is a sense of re- recognizing the betrayal or the absence of our, of our fathers that is inevitable in a man's life. Now, what do we do with that? Right. Um, yeah. The other aspect of this is I would just, you know, the way I've made peace with it is I've split off the part of my father that gave me tremendous gifts was present in areas that really was a blessing to me, um, helped shape the man I am and the part of him that was wholly inadequate for the job. Right. And I've got, I've had to do a lot of work with that latter one. I've really had to face that part of him that has lived in me and all the beliefs I took on about myself because of those. And that's, that's some pretty deep, and it sounds like you do that work and like, right. Like that, but Mm -hmm. that's the work is to metabolize all of the belief structures about who we are and our value based on the absence of our father and the father, you know, not showing up in the way that we needed to make sure that we're not, you know, we're not living from that place of all of that ache and pain. So many men do. So many men live from a place of anger and rage or depression, shut down because um, they didn't get what they needed from their father. Right. And um, so. 
Yeah, the 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 frame that I've been working with this through, just me personally, in the last mm-hmm. really only in the last year, and it, and it's been through the gift of therapy, working with a, an mm-hmm. elder therapist, a man in his seventies who, uh, his name is John Lee. He actually was on my mm-hmm. podcast recently. Yeah. Famous, uh, you know, as an author in the in the men's movement, wrote a lot of amazing books like Flying Boy. Flying, and, Bo- Flying Boy is uh, is a must read. It's a it's a really yeah. good one. Yeah, I recommend that. Yeah, so I'm I'm so lucky. He lives like twenty minutes from me, and so he's mm-hmm. my therapist and. And we've been working it through, through with this through the frame of of stop sunning your father, mm-hmm. stop sunning your father. Like that was a revolutionary thought to me. Like stop expecting all the things of of that man that a son expects from a father. Yeah, like that switch for me is been has been everything like that that has been my own even in my late 40s like another little initiatory rite of passage a, a step across a threshold that again an elder man my therapist i mean we're not really doing rites of passage work mm-hmm. but it feels like there's a like a blueprint that's coming online inside of me that is a, a, now enabling me to have a new relationship with this man who you know is my biological father but i don't feel father from him anymore Right, right. Yeah, I mean, David Data writes about this as well, right? He says, "What? How? A man? I can't remember the exact line, but it's something along the lines of, um, once a man can live out from under the the attention of his father, he's truly liberated. So live as if your father's already dead. Yeah, right. And how can you live as if your father's already dead? And yeah. to not live through the contortion, the contorted lens of our father's approval. You know, when I think about the moment you're in, um." You know, there's this idea that what would you need to say to him in order to feel because he his life is coming to an end? What appreciation would you want to bestow upon him for the gifts that he did give you that he could actually hear yeah. um, before he's gone? Right. Because that that is a thing that will that's the loss, right? Is that the there's no more opportunity to, for appreciation. The resentment is something that for most of us when our parents get to that age, it's just pointless to actually take much of that directly to them. They just, there's not in a place in their life where they can do much with it. Right. But the appreciation, the recognition of the legacy that they're leaving, the, the generative legacy, that is something that they can hear and it could be a tremendous gift. Yeah. A hundred percent. And in my, in my, my journey of, 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 of stepping out of being his son, you know, but by which I just mean the, the expecting, mm-hmm. expecting the father stuff. There was, there were the two parts of it. There was the saying the difficult things I needed to say, you know, these are the ways in which I felt deeply hurt by you, betrayed by you, let down by you. Mm-hmm. And, and these are the reasons, and again, not, not, you know, dumping everything out on the table, mm-hmm. but saying the things that I hadn't said for a lifetime because mm-hmm. I, because the son was too scared to stand up to the father. Mm-hmm. And also all of the things that I'm grateful for, all the gifts mm-hmm. you have given me, the ways you have shaped, you have shaped me as a man that I'm, that I'm proud of. And kind of, you know, I, I knew I would either do that over his gravestone or, or in conversation with him. And anyway, the, 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 this is, is, there's so much more Luke that we could dive into around this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, it's such a rich, rich conversation and, um, We'll start to wrap up here. I know we're we're coming up on time. You have a few mm-hmm. more minutes. Yes, of course. Okay. So, all right. So a man's been listening to this. He's like, this is igniting something in him. I know some men are going to be listening to this. They maybe they don't have children. They don't have sons, mm-hmm. but they're also like, fuck. I I was never initiated. 
you know, I, so first off, what's, what's, what's one insight you might share with that man, the man who was like, I've never been initiated. How do he, he feels it, recognizes it now? What would you say to that man? Yeah. Go find some men that you, when you look at them and you talk to them, there's a feeling of like, I, I want to live more like that man, you know, a man that maybe for me, it was just like a tremendous amount of passion, but I also could feel their heart. They could, I knew that, that they weren't going to, they weren't going to let any of my bullshit pass. And, um, I just, I just spent a lot of time with them. Anything they were doing, I would go do, I would, you know, I would, I remember like doing some coaching sessions with this guy, Tom Daly in, in Boulder, Colorado. And I would literally like go, he'd say, here, come, I'll do a coaching session with you. Um, you just turned my compost pile for a couple of hours afterwards. So he had me out there with the pitchfork in his backyard, uh, turning his compost pile yeah. as he was kind of initiating me into these uh, ways of being a man that's living like a bold life. Um, I love it. But yeah, just find, find some communities. There's tons of great communities out there that are doing this type of rites of passage work for men, reintroducing men into uh, a sense of healthy masculinity, initiating yeah. them into sacred masculinity. Yeah. Um, and there's, yeah, I'm sure you have, you know, people, places you send people around this, but it, it's definitely. very possible. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm actually, I have a program called elevate 2024. If you're listening to this, you'll, you'll have heard me talking about it in the, in the little in-betweens. Um, but yeah, that's, it's my year long initiatory men's experience for, for guys typically in their mid thirties to I've got guys that come through that in their sixties mm -hmm. that still feel like not initiated again, they may not use that language, right? but I mean, you know, you, you and I both know that that's the epidemic that, that mm -hmm. we're all experiencing. So, um, what about the father who's hearing this? Maybe his son isn't of age or his child isn't mm -hmm. of, of that age yet, but he's like, he wants to prepare. He wants to, to do things different. What resources do you have for him? And of course, you know, I'll, I'll you could also share where they could get in touch with you or find out what you're doing or sign up for one of your your weekends. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, briefly my weekend is fathersonconnection.com. That's for 10 to 14 year olds and their dads. We're also going to do a backpacking trip next summer. That'll be, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be, uh, maybe just for the boys. Um, but father son connection is where they, if somebody wants to come be guided through these experiences, that's where you can reach out. Um, but generally I'd say, you know, it's back to this idea, go into the wild with your kids. Like, mm -hmm. even if it's car camping, get outside of just the same myopic everyday, every weekend rhythms, commit to leaving your phone in the car and, and, you know, take them on a trip, take them outside, take them, get them into the wild where they can feel discomfort. They can feel uh, how vast the cosmos is. They can feel the frigid air in the morning, the warmth of the fire. Um, and, you know, maybe you get a collection of buddies and you do, you do this together with, with your kids, with your boys. Um, that, I mean, it's astounding how meaningful and how deep that can, like, it's a memory making uh, experience, but it's also a way to open up conversations that you're not going to be able to have just sitting around and having movie night, right? It's, it's, it, um, when we're out in the natural world, nature becomes its own character in the story, right? And so we're yeah. relating to all the elements yeah. and the, you know, whatever the bear or the raccoon that shows up. And, um, it, it uh, opens up all sorts of possibilities in um, these young boys or young people's lives. 
Yeah. Great, great advice. The, the, I'm reminded, I mean, the, the, the best memories I have of my father were bathing in a stream on a, in a, I don't know, Wyoming, somewhere on the snake river in Wyoming Mm -hmm. on a, on a car camping trip when I was probably Mm -hmm. 14, you know, seeing him go into that cold water and me following his lead, um, Mm -hmm. uh, going down the grand Canyon on a donkey, you know, mm-hmm. looking out over this, this sheer drop. I mean, those are the, the memories with my father that are so precious and they're all, I, they're all in nature. And I have to say, you know, I have a lot of these types of conversations with fathers and other men and virtually everyone says what you just said, right? Like I will invite people into this and everybody always says, Oh, I have this, this memory of being yeah. camping with my dad or being on the, this, you know, going on this very long drive to the top of the mountain and getting out and walking around. It's like, it's, that is it. Like, this yeah. is what, um, there's the kids are so hungry for, and there's taking in the beauty, but there's also the feeling of connection with their dads. That that is, that's really fundamentally what this is all about. Yeah, well, beautiful, Luke. I I want I do want to finish because I'm really just curious to know the little my my little five question lightning round. I okay. call this I call this your five core emotional triggers. Mm. And we'll go fast. What makes you mad? Uh, when someone uh, doesn't do something they said they were going to do. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> what makes you feel sad? Um, I mean, fundamentally, when I've lost a hope or a dream, there's uh, that achy feeling of uh, kind of a hole in my heart that was full. So um, lately, it's been I've felt sadness around changes in a relationship, you know, mm. that there's like a kind of that that, uh, longing aching of like, Oh, I wish this could be different. Mm. Yeah. What, uh, causes you to feel joy? The most recent time I felt joy was, uh, one of my clients. So I, I coach, I coach people, coach leaders. And one of my clients, um, sold their company and, um, their success, their sense of fulfillment in that felt like mine. And mm. I felt quite, quite happy about that. Yeah. Beautiful. What causes you to feel fear? The most recent time I felt fear was very like a true, honest fear. I was out in the middle of the wild, like 45 minutes on a hike with off the trail with my two kids. And we stepped on a yellow jacket nest and we all got attacked and I wasn't sure how bad it was going to be. And I was in utter terror, but also needing to effing deal. So that was a lot of fear. Wow. Did you get stung? Your children get stung? Uh, yes. Stung. Dog got stung. I got stung about five. I think I got stung five times. My daughter got stung once. She'd had a a reaction to a bee, Uh um, when she was younger and she started saying things like, I can't breathe out of my my throat and my heart feels funny. And we're like, literally just in the middle of nowhere. She was fine by the way, but talk about fear, (laughs) fear and adrenaline and like, holy shit. Right. Right. This is is why, you know, this is why humans feel fear, right? It's like, it's the purest form of fear, right? Yeah. Pay attention, serious danger here. Your, your daughter's possibly, you know, not safe here. Like how do you get into action? That's like, raw, honest fear. Yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Last one. She was fine. (laughs) Yeah. And she was fine. Last one. uh, Dealer's choice. What causes you to feel either shame, embarrassment, or that just makes you want to hide from the world? Um, What causes it? Well, what causes it is if I don't give myself enough space all the accumulation of all the other emotions that you're describing, I think it just like piles on to the point where 
I go into like shame. I just get that, that it feels like there's a pit in my stomach in my solar plexus. And, um, for me, that occurs as kind of self-loathing and, mm. you know, mm-hmm. self, uh, self-judgment. Mm. Um, so f- for me, it's like getting out and mm. keeping my batteries charged mm-hmm. and doing my practices. That's, that's what, uh, prevents that. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Luke, thank you so much. Again, the website is fathersonconnection.com. And uh, people can learn more about you. I think you also have your own website, lukeentrup.com. Yeah, I have lukeentrup.com. You can find me on Instagram. I also have my own podcast, uh, Crazy Wisdom. Okay, Luke, thank you so much for coming on Men This Way, man. Really appreciate your work. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Luke Entrup. You can find Luke at www.fathersonconnection.com. And remember, if you intend to make 2024 an extraordinary year of deep inner growth and transformation, go to brianreeves.com slash elevate to learn more about Elevate 2024 and to apply if it costs you. Only 10 men will be invited to this journey and you could be one of those men. Again, it's brianreeves.com slash elevate. Remember, Brian with a Y. And I am your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian with a Y, Reeves. Well, I am if you want me to be. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.